I'm Dan. And I'm Simon. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article and we talk about what we find. Simon, what are we talking about this week? This week, Dan, I am delighted to announce that we are talking about short music for short people. No way. I know, right? This is extraordinary. I said before we started recording that this may be the single best article we've ever random. I have ever randomised on. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Uh, let me tell you all about it though, Dan, because Short Music for Short People is a 1999 compilation album released on the Fat Rec Chords record label. Ah. It features 101 bands playing songs averaging approximately 30 seconds in length. As a concept, I love that. Right. It's this. The, the whole album has a hundred. Sorry, how many tracks? It's not a hundred more because there's a few repeat artists. Ninety nine tracks, and it lasts forty nine minutes. Wow! <laughs> Just if it's like a taster menu of music. If you don't like something, don't worry. It's going to be over in another twenty seconds. Yeah. But some of these tracks are astonishing. Like so with some of the band the band names are great. Like I, I do appreciate a good band name. And some of these just going down here we've got some some ones that are sort of, you know, they sound like regular bands like Teen Idols or The Ataris or wow, Blink-182 and Green Day are on here. Um but then also you've got stuff like um Citizen Fish, Aero Bitch, 59 times the pain, 88 fingers Louie. Um <laughs> That's some great one. 20% H2O. The Muffs. Satanic Surfers. Wizzo. Wizzo? Yeah. No, not Lizzo. Wizzo. W-I-Z-O. That still rings a bell. Some distant bell is sort of chiming in my head. Why is that? They do have an article. Um, it's a German punk ba- rock band from Sindelfingen in 1985. Fun Punk. I don't know, I've not, I can't, must admit, I've never really heard of them. They're also an agency, Wizzo and Co. Oh. But Wizzo and, uh, Wizzo, oh no, beg your pardon, there's actually 101 tracks, I think, on this album, oh. um, including the one at the bottom here is Caustic Soda with Welcome to Dumpsville, Population U. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh... It's just, just these are great. This, this is, I mean, it's, it's very, very simple in that it's this, this Fat Rec Chords album that's just... <laughs> There's just really short songs and they've got really weird titles like Dylan Jafar with Farts are Jazz to Arseholes. Amazing. I mean, this is exactly how I wanted to start my Monday morning. Yeah, we're recording this at nine o'clock on a Monday morning just because we, we, we had two previous slots that we sorted out last week and then both of them, something came up. So we, we are on our third, third time's the charm. Yeah. And what a charm. <laughs> and what a charm with ACAB, parentheses, all comic heroes are fascist pigs by Terror Grouper. <laughs> what the hell um <laughs> or with the circle jerks with deny everything parentheses keith morris roger rogerson from group sex uh, i mean <laughs> adrenaline od with your kung fu is old and now you must die i love this white flag with rage against the machine are capitalist phonies I say so. Out of curiosity, I've pulled up the album because I want to have a look at some of these titles myself. Okay, I've got several thoughts here. Firstly, the album artwork is extraordinary. Yeah, can you describe the album artwork? It's sort of done. It looks like the so that there is a scantily clad um, aeronaut on a nondescript uh, planet 
She's got a big... Astronaut. Yeah, sure. Um, cosmonaut. <laughs> She's not in a balloon, Dan. <laughs> cosmonaut. Um, yeah, cosmonaut is actually the more accurate term because cosmonaut actually means spaceman, whereas uh, astronaut means starman, technically. Uh-huh. So this would be more accurately a cosmonaut. She's got a big... Um, Set of... No, I was going to say the helmets. Aliens with her. Yeah, there you go, yeah. Yeah, so she's dancing on a planet with some little green men. Uh, There's a record player playing. There's a UFO in the background. And then in bright sort of orange and white text uh, is sort of... But like B-movie font. Yeah, It's like like what you'd see above a (laughs) B-movie. Short music for short people. Uh, Fat Records presents. Amazing. You know what it looks like? It looks like a B-movie version of the artwork for the Star Wars disco version of the theme song. Oh, yeah. Galactic funk. It looks just... It's that kind of style. But I, I have noticed Fat Rec Chords have also did other albums. So... Oh, I see. So it's a band. And then they did... Right. So pr- the previous album was Life in the Fat Lane. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then the next album was Live Fat, Die Young. <laughs> So short music for short people was a bit of a bit of a detour from their typical fair, apparently. Just being like really fat shaming. I just I'm wow. I'm still going through these titles. I think they're absolutely brilliant. This is great. Just it, it's such a snapshot. So when was this released? It was released in 1999. So this is like that proper kind of like punk. That was that was sort of like when Nirvana was like at the peak of their powers. Or was that a little bit before? The late 90s, early 2000s was sort of like pop punk, wasn't it? Like, this is it in concentrated form. Can you read the name of the title, those involved, the band, and the length of time for entry number 48, please? Um, sure. At number 48, we've got Screeching Weasel with Dirty Needles, parentheses Ben Weasel from Television City Dream. <laughs> Amazing. 27 seconds. Ben Weasel. That's the most brilliant name I've ever heard. His real name is Benjamin Foster. Of course you'd rather be known as Ben Weasel. Screeching Weasel. God, Blatty, Human Egg by Sick of It All. Human Egg. I wonder what these people are doing now. 23 years later, what are the members of the Lunar Chicks doing? Or 10-foot pole? Or the Muffs? The Muffs. <laughs> With Pimmel. I just, I, I, there's so little else to say about this other than just reading out the article, but it's wonderful. This is, this is like a, a, a time, 1999, I feel like, concentrated into an album. It's just really funny. You've got the band H2O with the, the hit single, Mr. Brett, please put your gun down. Oh no, please put down your gun. <laughs> they really watered down their sound for the album. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> well, this is, this is wonderful. Oh, and dwarves. Why, oh, oh, there's a little flag trilogy going on in the middle down. I don't know if you noticed this. We've got Spray Paint, Rage Against the Machine and Capitalist Phonies and Bring It to an End, all by Black Flag, White Flag and Anti-Flag. Wow. <laughs> One after the other. The Agnostic Front with Traitor. What it say? Green Day put together, and it is the Green Day, put together a song called The Ballad of Wilhelm, Phil- Wilhelm Fink. Right. Have I heard of this? That, that does ring bells as well. Green Day. Wow. You know, Dan, I'm actually, this is the testament to how, how much this article has grabbed our attention because we haven't spoken in a little while and so much has happened over the past month. Yeah, there's been a lot going on, hasn't there? 
I mean, just last night you were, and I haven't actually asked you how this went yet, but you were the soloist for a concert in Exmouth. I was. How did that go? I think it was really good. I was really pleased. I was singing in a um, performance of Stainer's The Crucifixion, mm. which is a, a riot. I'm, I'm doing it again um, next weekend with the RSCM at Buckfast Abbey. Ah, nice. Royal School of Church Music, which will be very fun. Um, but it was nice to sort of give it an outing this time um, and do it with Chapel, which is the first, you know, the first choir I ever did it with years ago. And in fact, that church, I think I hadn't been back in that church since 2016. Oh, blimey. So it was amazing to go back. And instead of being singing in the choir, I was, you know, sort of out in front of it with um, with Ridley, one of the basses from the Chapel Choir, who's got a fantastic voice. And we had an absolute riot of a time doing that. And then went to... An extraordinary after party that I didn't I didn't linger at because I was quite tired and, and we thought we sort of you know didn't want to be silly and I knew of course that we had the podcast to record at nine so I was very sensible um, and only had a couple of beers. He's grown up. Yeah, he's a he's my a, boy's all grown up and adult. He's grown up ever since I turned twenty five. I'm like a changed boy, man. The, the two options were either be very light touch with it and come and completely refreshed in the morning or steaming drunk just yeah. really going hard yeah. wake up for nine o'clock and just do the podcast hammered there was a there was a period of time where i was seriously considering getting absolutely battered <laughs> but i thought actually you know what that's a bad idea on multiple counts not only do i have the podcast but i have to spend the rest of the day revising for an exam i have tomorrow oh okay yeah fair enough <laughs> fair enough then so i uh, think that's, that's actually that's that you've made the right decision here and we also had annex i mean we we met up relatively recently in london actually oh yeah i, for, I forgot we haven't spoken about this have we yeah so so I, I was in london last week no two weeks ago two weeks um ago. for some book for some book events um so i was doing uh a book talk in uh Hang on, which which one was it in London? It was Stanford's in London. Um, and then I, I had another thing at the Natural History Museum, which was amazing with the RP geeks. Uh, but in the middle, we we met up for some drinks. And are we allowed to talk about what we got up to? Um, probably not. Yeah, okay, let's, let's not... But what we can say, we can say is that we were... Um... As part of the, so the, the sort of various antics that we did get up to in London, one of the fun things that we did is um, you were you you were managed to be shown around uh, Westminster Cathedral, which was great, by a, a, a dear friend yeah. and reader of the podcast, um, and it, it was a really really lovely time. I think that's safe. That, that you know we can get away with that much. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and I'd never been inside Westminster Cathedral before, and just see, and we were able to sort of see it from the elevated position, weren't mm. we? So sort of the the, the higher up bit. Um, uh, and yeah, that was that was a real really cool experience. It was me, you, and our friend uh, Hugo Wickman. Um, it was. Well. He was yeah, able to, dear, dear, to come around. Dear hugs. That was great. It was a lovely surprise. I didn't realise that you were in town because I'd messaged Hugo when I was on the I was heading in on the train. I was going in for a, a sort of conference meeting thing with. Um, the Cathedral Music Trust, which is incredibly on brand for me anyway, mm. um, as one of their, I'm part of their sort of future leaders group, which was a really fascinating day, actually. It was a, a collection. I saw the of... picture that you put up oh, of yeah. you with the group and everything. Is it um, Alexander Armstrong? Yes. Yeah, he's ambassador. Who's, who's the patron? And I was just sort of, one of those times you look at a picture and go, yes. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, <laughs> this is on brand. It was a fantastic group. You know, like, you know, it, it was, I think there was about 16 of us in the group, 15, 16, um, rep, you know, ages spanning 18 to 29, 30. 30 is, I think, the sort of cutoff. Mm -hmm. 
and we spent the day sort of trying to identify what the issues are with cathedrals and cathedral music, what we can try and do to make a change, um, how the trust can change its outlook and strategy to try and be as, as sort of as helpful as it can be. And all of these people, you know, the 15 or 16 of us, we all come from totally different backgrounds. So, you know, I'm I'm in it, but there's somebody who's writing a PhD on the impact of in sociology and the impact of church music in that. There are some, you know, one of the countertenors from the Jesualdo Six has, has, is in the group. We've got a couple of organists, a couple of uh, assistant directors of music, some directors of music. So I think somebody from Leeds Cathedral or something. Um, and it's just a really wonderful spread of people. Mm. Um, very, very passionate and really, really wanting to you know, sort of be be the start of a, of a of what will I think be a sort of sea change in the sort of the choral music, sacred cathedral music world. And so much of the work I'd done before, if we if you think back years ago now to um, the choral scholars of the Southwest Evensong, can you remember when we did this? I did this project. Um, oh yeah, it was you and Ed Dunn. Yes. Yeah. So we so we did this um, we did this thing and basically put together a virtual service of choral evensong, um, sung by ver- um, various choral scholars from cathedrals around the southwest and the south of England, in in support of the emergency fund that the Cathedral Music Trust was sort of championing, um, as a result of lockdown because all, obviously all the cathedrals and choirs had to stop singing and and it was a very sort of scary time, um, and I did that with them. But I'd never met any of the team, really. So it's great to have been invited to be part of this Future Leaders group and see people that I was, I'd was i normally only seen on a sort of screen, you know, over a Zoom call. So it was great. And it was held, the event was held at Southwark Cathedral, which is somewhere I've never been. And it was really, really gorgeous. I'd stuck my head in the building um, for a bit before I left. and uh, like, like the Kool-Aid man. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> straight through the wall. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> oh, this is nice. <laughs> It was it was wonderful to see you, and then well, I mean, it's just oh gosh, so much has happened over the past month. The the, the thing that sticks in my mind from that trip was I I played the Natural History Museum, which mm. is a weird thing to say in itself. Uh, but with the RP Geeks, we did a a one shot in the in the David Attenborough Theatre um, of doing a it was a game that uh, my friend Shamini Bundell came up with, um, where we were mixing genes together of different animals and role playing as. These animals that gradually get more and more mutated, trying to overcome a scenario that they're put in, and with the audience having uh, in- involvement in terms of choosing which animals we're mutated into, but also rolling these enormous dice to determine how successful we are. Mm. And um, it was great. It was that was like, I- I- in a way, a life ambition that I never knew I had. If that makes sense, like, I, I the Natural History Museum has been such a huge part of my childhood i just I, I remember going there as a kid so vividly and loving it and thinking of it as like the ultimate place for like you know like the science happy place kind yeah. of thing and i just didn't never imagine that i would be one day doing a live event there and sort of talking a bit about science and trying to be entertaining and and also educational and yeah that was really really wild um and uh, you know, if people, if anybody who was who was a reader was there, I know um, uh, Andy Hartley, our friend, uh, was was in the audience. I'm not sure if anybody else from the Wikicast readership was there, uh, but I hope you enjoyed, and hopefully we'll be able to do it again at some other venues in the future. Amazing. Um, but that, but of course, the other thing is I've been all over the place. I I, I was on three separate trips last month. I was mm. in London for a bit. I just got back from St Andrews um, and uh, Edinburgh, which was uh, a, a 
a lovely place to visit. I've never been to St Andrews before. Um, it was a very small town that felt like a mix of Oxbridge and Exeter all in one, and then mm. shrunk like in a, in a small in a small town. Um, and then the big one was I was in uh, all over Scandinavia. I went up to Trondheim on the train, and then on the way back, I checked in on the Swedish Wikicasters. Fantastic. Most of them, anyway. I checked in on Greta and Isabel and. Um, uh, Eric, of course, is in Alaska. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, I sort of had a, had a catch up with them and they showed me around Stockholm, which was a fantastic city. Um, I did. I have to admit, I slightly fell in love over the whole trip. I slightly fell in love with um, Trondheim specifically in Norway, I think. Of all the countries I visited was the one I think I liked the most, but Stockholm was great. Yeah. Um, and I did a... People haven't seen it. I'll include a link in the show notes. There was a, there was a vlog of, of the, the trip. But um, just, just, yeah, hanging out, hanging out with a Wikicast hosts and and guests of course um was really fun yeah. including in the evening something which i didn't put in the vlog was we ended up watching the swedish qualifiers for eurovision no way um <laughs> which was all in swedish of course yeah <laughs> um it was me uh, isabel greta and um, some of uh, some of the friends from fridays for futures the uh, fridays for future the um uh, activism group that they have mm. um and um, that was an experience. That was really, really quite something. I bet it was. My goodness. I, I'm not saying I would tune in again, but it, <laughs> but, it, but it was it was fun being there. You know when like you watch the right thing in the right place with the right people at the right time. Mm-hmm. And the other example I always think of is when I don't think you were there when I watched um, The World's End at the Campus Cinema, the Edgar Wright film. Yes. And it was exactly the right place to watch that film. And it was the right age and the right time and everything like that. And that was what it felt like watching the Swe- the Swedish Eurovision qualifiers. <laughs> Amazing. But gosh, um, I mean, it feels like we barely scratched the surface with everything that's been going on. But I fear it's probably actually time to move on, you know, Dan. I think it might be. It might be time to move on to your choral piece of the week. And this will be my piece of the week. Drum roll, please. Okay, let me just find the album because it's a big long Latin name. Sure. Um, post choir. What we need is like Gregorian chant phone music. <laughs> yeah. And I've got to get it right because the it's written by a yeah, former yeah. person of the <laughs> Westminster Cathedral, and Peter will get really cross if I do it. If I say it wrong. When I look at you, is it that one? Yeah, you got it's it. It's gonna gonna be. A lovely day. And then you just loop it. <laughs> so, my choral piece of the week. Um, I mentioned earlier that I had done... Uh, I, I was part of a production of um, Stainer's The Crucifixion, and that's not going to be something that's going to feature in my choral piece of the week. Controversial! This week, though, it is very good, so if you'd like to have a listen, have a listen. Uh, we are rapidly approaching... The landing dick gear is very; it's just starting to come down on the uh, on the plane um, to uh, to Holy Week and Easter, which is very exciting, and it's always an absolutely brilliant time in terms of sort of sacred music because there's just such brilliant, brilliant music written, you know, right the way through Lent uh, up until Easter. Um, and there is a particular piece of music that I am singing on. I believe, Maundy, I think it's Maundy Thursday. I think. Could be wrong. Maybe it's Good Friday. Something. Anyway, in in Easter week, um, and it features on an album called Vexilla Regis, 
a sequence of music from Palm Sunday to Holy Saturday, and it, it it's the album is is featuring Westminster Cathedral Choir, and on said album, track number ten, there is Postquam Surrexit Dominus, which sort of loosely translates to After the Lord Has Risen, and I was told by the director of music at Buckfast Abbey that it's a it, it it really basically is a it's a brilliant text, but it hasn't really been set to music at all. So a former director of music of Westminster Cathedral decided to do so, um, and it's absolutely amazing. Um, it it just it, oh, okay. you know it, it's it's the chant sort of tune if you like, um, but with sort of added added fruit and nut and and sort of harmony and 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 it's just thrilling to to sing and absolutely amazing to listen to so i'm really really looking forward to doing that so if you'd like to have a listen the link will be in the show notes as ever postquam surexit dominus by martin baker sung by westminster cathedral choir and it's wicked and i'm really really looking forward to it you know it says something of the depth of music in this genre is not even the right word really i mean in in this field that we've been doing this for 100 and seven episodes i think mm. and i know that we didn't do dance core piece of the week from the very beginning but every single week there is something that is like a, a cast iron banger there is something that i'm not you know you found or that is just you know broadly known yeah that is an amazing piece of music yeah and it's just i mean but this is what happens i suppose when you have a musical form that's existed for a millennium mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah just keeps going. This this well is never going to run dry, I don't think. Never. And this is so interesting because I think this is probably one of the first times where I've, I've sort of really actively featured something that's more in, this, in the sort of Catholic canon of music making mm. as opposed to a big sort of Victoriana Anglican thing, you know. Um, it's it's very... I mean, I mean it, is all, it is all chant, but with harmony. Um, so you get a real flavour of, of what that sort of style of singing is like because um, it's very different mm. um, to to sort of not <laughs> non-chant um, but yeah I think I think it's great it's really good the other thing of course is at the rate we release episodes new music is being written faster than we are making the yeah, episodes I was going to say this is true <laughs> we are never going to run out because we are being vastly outpaced by the admittedly also kind of glacial pace that the music is being released Well, Dan, we are in Critics' Corner, um, mm. and I have a, a a piece of of media that I have, for some reason, just never got around to until now. And in a way, I'm kicking myself that I only just enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And in another way, I'm actually quite glad that I stayed away. Um, and that is, I, I read my first Terry Pratchett novel. Nice. Over the past month. Discworld. And... Uh, yes, yeah, so so specifically, I read the Color of Magic, yeah, which great. is the first in the in the Discworld series. Yeah, um, so how much have you read much Terry Pratchett? I've definitely read the Color of Magic. I don't know how far I got into the sort of series, mm. and I I remember vividly watching the it was a BBC the David Jason adaptation. Yeah, yeah, and Christopher Lee was Death, and Sean Astin Samwise Gamgee was the the tourist in it. Um. And and yeah, basically. Um, so so for those of you who, who perhaps don't know who I'm talking about, Terry Pratchett was a was he unfortunately died a couple of years ago, um, a British novelist and specifically a, a fantasy comedian. I suppose is the 
the best description. Um, he, the, the stuff that he wrote was absurdist and is set in a fantasy universe that, that you know, from the very first novel is so rich, but also so clearly taking the piss out of every other bit of fantasy ever written. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just fantastic. It's it's a very unique book. Um, I've not really read anything quite like it. I've read a lot of fantasy. I've read some comedy stuff. I suppose it is if Ursula Le Guin met Douglas Adams somewhere in the middle. That's definitely more on the Douglas Adams side. Um, and it's a, it was a, basically my mum gave me The Colour of Magic for Christmas. Um, and I've been meaning to get back into reading. I think we spoke about this before, but I've just really, really struggled to... Um, to, to to get into the habit of reading and i hadn't finished a book in months mm-hmm. um and this was my way of so you know something light that i can enjoy and then get back into and i absolutely demolished this um in a couple of days because it was just so readable and it's definitely got the the bug back in me of now the next one i'm gonna be reading is the new silk roads by frankopan um but i would like to read more pratchett in the future um so my review of it is it's great. It's really funny and it's really imaginative and it, it, it like kind of flabbergasted me at several points. Um, but I am glad that I hadn't read it before mm. because I think had I read it before, it would have been such a strong influence on my writing style. Um, and my writing when I was a teenager, I think, was tending towards this kind of style anyway. That I think this would have absolutely pushed me over the edge. Yeah. As a, there's an inside joke for some people who've read the book. Um, push me over the edge into reading, into writing in this sort of fantasy comedic style that I think is very easy to ape. Mm-hmm. So, I'm yeah, I'm glad that I actually didn't read it until now. But my word, is it so good? I'd, yeah. I'd honestly recommend this to basically everyone. There's a really great description of it on the Wikipedia page um, for The Color of Magic. And it's the second sentence at the mm. top of the page, and it says... Pratchett has described it as an attempt to do for the classical fantasy universe what Blazing Saddles did for westerns. Yeah, that is exactly that's it. Really, that's really sort of succinct, isn't it? And exactly what it does. There's also a brilliant reception. <laughs> Dave Langford reviewed The Colour of Magic for White Dwarf, the magazine, um, uh, episode 64, or edition 64, I should say, and stated that... It's one of those horrible antisocial books which impel the reader to buttonhole friends and quote bits at them. My ceiling is covered with brown spots from when I tried to read Pratchett's jokes and drink beer at the same time. Only native sadism makes me recommend this disgraceful work. <laughs> now, have you noticed, however, where he was writing that review? White Dwarf is in the Warhammer magazine. It, that is That is the Games Workshop magazine. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> wow, I didn't know. Well, no, I knew that they used to do... Um, it was a much broader publication at one point, but I didn't know they did reviews of of fantasy books and stuff like that. Wow. I used to get White Dwarf every... You know, I used to pick it up quite regularly, just sort of flick through. It's gone through peaks and troughs. It's cool. mm. it's all right. It's it's pretty good at the moment. It's not as good as it used to be, but it's, it's a very, very fun... Uh, well, I, oh, actually... That's a sort of tangent here. Something which happened over the past week? Was it last week? No, I think it was two weeks ago. Um, was the first Golden Demon was held since 2019. Um, so this is the national level painting competition. Specifically, what was it? This was the American one. This was Adepticon. Um, uh, painting competition for people painting Games Workshop miniatures. And uh, the pictures 
that have have been released of the winners of the um you know of the prizes and it's this is probably going to go down as one of the greatest competitions in the history of the company because everybody over lockdown worked on their models and so there's like three years of backlog for people submitting stuff Mm. um and i will include a link in the show notes for people who might want to have a look at the i'll also pop it to you now on discord um that there's pictures of all the the first second and third places for all the categories and they're just extraordinary um the slayer sword in particular this year was an interesting which is the best in show basically um is interesting because they basically picked something that was um very simple it's just a single lizard man model but was done to perfection i've never seen a smoother paint job in my life i don't think Mm. um but um, yeah, so, so so hearing hearing White Dwarf has just compelled me to mention this because this is, I'm actually going to do a live stream this week, I think, where I go through all the winners and sort of pick apart kind of perhaps why they are so good, wh- where they've been converted, um, stuff I would like to learn from them. Because you can, you know, you could, you could take any one of the pictures of one of the people on the podium and learn a huge amount of painting technique from it. Yeah. Um, and learn what works and what doesn't. But um, that's 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 my that's my soapbox for for Golden Demon, a personal pet project of mine. But anyway, yes, Color of Magic, fantastic, really really funny. Um, I cannot wait to read some more of his of, of his stuff, to be honest. And now I may actually have to go and check out the adaptation that that you mentioned. Well, I was thinking about something that I'm just going to mention briefly, and I've probably said this already before. Certainly at the moment, with you know, I've got I'm in the middle of a sort of an exam period and law. And on top of all the sort of other musicy things and everything means that I don't really have much time to watch sort of terrestrial television, certainly even even Netflix, really not 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 much. But I am mm. and have been starting to rewatch when I get a free moment or get an early get an early night and I'm just sitting in bed with my laptop rewatching House of Cards. Oh, right. Yeah. The, the English, sorry, the, the UK version or the US version? The US version. Mm. It's it, it it is just great. It's a great show. I mean, it's flawed, obviously, and the and the spacey thing is is complicated, but it's brilliant, and the script is fantastic, and it's just gripping. And I I yeah, I think it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, that the whole thing with because I got about three four seasons in, and I think that was when the Kevin Spacey thing broke. Yeah, and it just soured it for me. Like, mm. I know that you can separate out the art from the artist, and we've had this discussion several times on the podcast before, but it really just... I couldn't watch it and not think about it, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is a shame, because, yeah, certainly the first two seasons are phenomenal. They're, they're so, so good. Yeah. But just as a sort of an aside, I think, you know, watching and rewatching that, it's, it's one of those things that I often find myself going back and watching odd episodes of, similarly with Mad Men, community the u.s mm. office you know comfort viewing kind yeah of. exactly and it's something you know i can i can loosely the thing is i haven't watched i haven't watched house of cards in such a long time that i can sort of loosely remember where things go but i can watch it and still be like oh yeah gosh i forgot about this or oh yeah this happens and you know yeah it's 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 great i'm enjoying it yeah well i mean it's um i know what you mean about the comfort thing because i've been whilst i've been traveling around i've been i i saved so much content to my phone i've actually only just got through it all um but i had like tons of star trek saved tons of podcasts saved and uh, something else which i'll get to in a second and there a star trek is that for me like the next generation and also the greatest generation podcast Mm. the fact that it is 
more monster of the week style programming and uh, because that's the thing about house of cards right is that it is the broad each episode fits into a broad series structure and you can watch them in isolation but you're missing out on something really whereas something like community for example or or star trek like just having something you can dip your toe in and having a self-contained episode is something that you don't see a lot of tv shows do these days i don't think but it's something that's really nice (laughs) as yeah as comfort viewing oh speaking of comfort viewing I can't remember if it was you that was telling me about this. Pixagal and I last night watched um, Stanley Tucci's um, Eating His Way Through Italy. Have you have you watched this? I have seen this, yeah. And we got half an hour in to the first episode and Pixagirl was got her laptop out and was looking up how to change our travel plans so that we could go to Italy instead of Spain. Yeah. <laughs> like, if people haven't seen the, 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 the show we're talking about here, it's a CNN production, but it's on BBC iPlayer. Um... It is the most mouth-watering TV food show I think I've ever seen. <laughs> and he's such an endearing presence, isn't he? I, I, I really, really admire Stanley Tucci, not only in his sort of, you know, obviously his film performances, but but just as a person. You know, he's an incredibly sartorial man, which always ranks highly in my in my book. Mm. Um, but also genuinely interested. Great, great narration voice. Yeah, really, really good. But also really, really fascinated and interested in in food and drink and gets involved you know he he he's a sort of cook himself I, i'm really i really want to get his cookbook the most recent one i will say that if you're used to watching food tv and the one that picks a girl and i like in particular is rick stein he, he isn't uh, uh by this i mean stanley tucci mm. isn't the most descriptive when it comes to scents and flavors no <laughs> quite frequently in the show there's this amazing cinematography of you know that the, these lemons have grown here on the on the cliffs uh, outside naples or whatever it is and and you know this is the flavors and they meet the chef who made this a particular dish and sort of talks about the history and then stanley tucci will have it and goes oh it's really nice yeah. <laughs> that's about that's about all you get yeah <laughs> but i sort of like that because that's exactly the kind of that's the kind of the kind of response that he's trying to elicit in people you know he, he he's basically saying like you need to come here you need to try this food and you just need to be bowled over by it and your reaction needs, mm. needs to be just oh my goodness this is this is just it's great it's great food and speaking of being bowled over just to close out this section i'm a professional with this segue down the other thing which i had downloaded on my phone and i wanted to mention in critics corner is arcane which i believe we have had recommended to us in an email or it might have just been on the discord um but this is the league of legends animated series that's on netflix um and i was absolutely bowled over by the show i'm three episodes in and which is like the end of the first arc i think there's nine episodes in total mm. and it's um you might hear league of legends and animation and you think okay great it's not gonna be it's that already doesn't sound like my thing sure. i knew nothing about the background or the characters before starting the show and within the the opening sequence of the first episode which is perhaps two minutes long i was invested mm-hmm. i cared about these characters the and the thing that really sells it i mean the storytelling is great and the the voice acting is really good actually but the thing that really sells it is the animation it is into the spider-verse level of quality and i don't say that lightly i mean this is the one of the most extraordinary styles and art direction i've ever seen on an animated show yeah it's it's really and, and i know that um it's 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 going to be going up for a bunch of awards, I think, in this next awards season, and I hope it wins a lot of them. Um, if people haven't 
seen it and you're on the fence, uh, I would highly, highly encourage you to watch at least the first episode. I think I need to do that. I've 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 sort of disregarded it because I I I I, I used to and occasionally do now. Certainly, um, any stream of Pyrians, I'm I'm sort of mm. I, I watch his live streams quite a lot. I sort of, I sort of treat his live streams like a podcast. So I watch quite a lot of Dota Two when he's playing it. And as a result, even prior to that, you know, back when I was at school, there were I had some friends that would you know would play video games and there was a there was a portion that would play League of Legends and a portion that would play Dota mm. or Dota 2 um and I was very much in the Dota camp and I, I yeah I've just never really fully got on board with with League of Legends but I but I've heard such great things about this animation I, sh- I ought to give it a go really I, I I'd give the first episode a go honestly like it, it, it's set in so I knew nothing about the setting actually it's a um steampunky fantasy sort of world mm-hmm. and there's sort of an overworld and an underworld of sort of respect respectable rich citizens quote you know a type thing and then a seedy underbelly of kind of criminals just getting by and yeah. there was clearly some big social divide some kind of war that happened in the past between the two um and Ah, oh, just the—it's it, just—it's just good. I, I think the best that I can say is you've got to see it with your own eyes. It's a bit like the Matrix. You've got—you—you you, cannot be described. You just got to see it for yourself. And I would highly, highly encourage people to check it out. The third episode, after a three-episode arc, genuinely like knocked the wind out of me. I was like, it, it, it actually affected me in the course of three episodes, d- developing these characters and the emotion that they get out of this arc animation style is unreal um i I cannot recommend it highly enough Mm. okay you know what else i can't recommend highly enough dan what people supporting us on patreon oh god it's tell you what we're slick aren't we top lad so as simon mentioned with that incredibly slick professional segue uh we find ourselves in patreon corner Patreon Corner is the time in the podcast where we get to say an enormous thank you to those who support us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash the wikicast. There we go. See, look, he's on it. He's already on it. He beat me to it. Without Patreon and without our sort of patron support, this podcast couldn't exist. We couldn't pay our editor. We couldn't pay for our hosting. Um, we couldn't do loads of things. Um, we couldn't do our brief uh, merch run. And I'm sure we'll be making a return to that at some point when we're maybe both a little less busy. But yeah, we just want to use this opportunity to say thank you to those who support us. If you're interested in doing so, um, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash the Wikicast. You can choose, and it's quite a quite a big decision, isn't it, Simon? Top dog. Oh, it really is. Top cat. And the respective churches therein, uh, Clark Catholicism or Mormonism. <laughs> I am the I I'm the sort of the the figurehead at the front of the the ship um, for uh, for Team Dog. Um, and the top dogs uh, get a shout out and I'd like to do that now so without further ado I'd like to say an enormous thank you to Jay Wright Peter Reed Codzo Colin J Brown Alistair Fortune Eve Sharples Lexi at front desk Hasse Hansen Aaron Jorgensen Henry VII King of England and of France Lord of Ireland Nafleroc Andrian with an N Chan Ben Caples Josh Shiaga Martin Narciso, Christian from the Alps, Amy Bonney, and Lexi at Front Desk's boss. Still love that username. It's brilliant. Whereas I would like to thank the top 
cats. And I, I was hanging out with the top cat just yesterday. I was hanging out with my parents' lovely cat, Edna, who has, has had a had an operation, so she's only got one eye now. Um, but she's an she's the loudest purr I've ever heard on a cat. It's literally like you're operating a chainsaw. Like it, it's astonishing how loudly the cat purrs. She's a little wee thing as well. She's like, you know, just over a foot long. But wow, packs a punch. Anyway, packing a financial punch are easy. Abul El Ella, the physics boy, Bendant, Choco Cat, Colm Mansfield, Dame Valerie the Third, Dan Hanvey, Isabella Strowski, Izzy CC, Jack Easton, Layla Medina, Matt McGuire, Nafi Iftikai, Oliver Burkhart, Omar Miranda, Princess Andromeda, Rents Kirk, Simon P, Will Jenis Humphreys, Andy Hartley, Lewis Watson, and Nathan Flaherty. Thank you very much to our top cat and top dog patrons. You make the show possible. <laughs> Well done. We've burst through the wall of Correspondence Corner, much like you burst through the walls of Southwark Cathedral. Yes. <laughs> just, just to have a look. <laughs> oh, this is nice in here. Um, and I have an email here from Christian, uh, which reads conversation corner material dear favorite non-tent providers i'm writing this three days into my self-isolation after contracting the you know what 19 parentheses all work and no play makes jack a dull boy yeah. oh god oh gosh oh no it can't be that bad can it as a long time reader i finally found the right subjects to write in about first of all i want to thank you guys both for providing us with this entertaining nonsense the wikicast has been a steady companion for a long time now and i'm always excited when a new episode is released Wrong. but also simon's vlog series has had a great impact on my life since it rekindled my motivation to continue studying right when i thought i was not made for it so five years ago i decided to change my subject to computer science move to a new city and honestly it's been one of the best decisions i've ever made thank you for the nudge of course these videos would never have been as entertaining as they were without you dan oh that's kind i actually i was showing uh, emily bates and sharmini from the rp geeks the beer mile oh, very that we good. did and the comments that they were saying was oh dan is good at this he's really good <laughs> like the star of the show dan what fun <laughs> it's a great commentary <laughs> It's the the cutaway that I put in of whilst we're running around, like me and Hugo and Corin, all on our first lap, and you. It just cuts to you explaining with this microphone in your hand to the passers-by, going, "It's a it's a beer mile." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, as if that explained everything. Yeah. Oh right, one of those. Yeah, fine. Yep. As you were. And secondly, this is sorry. This is going back to Christian's email. And secondly, this is the Wikicast. Therefore, I feel obliged to share a small gem of an article from my hometown in Germany, Kempten. There's an article here. Oh, it's only in German, but it's um, automatically translating from German into English. It's Grosses Loch, which is big hole. Uh. Sadly, this article is only in German, but here it goes. Its title is Grosses Loch, which means great hole and concerns itself with a 15 year old construction site in Kempton. It was planned to be a multi-purpose building but after some shady stuff and beef with locals happened the developers eventually went bankrupt just after excavating a 37 meter deep hole of an area as big as the final building. Now with nobody wanting to pay for filling it up again it has remained in this state until today filled up with groundwater and a constant threat to surrounding buildings. Residents lovingly call it names like the hole of shame I've got one of them myself swimming pool or the first inner city quarry lake very good no remarkable progress has been made for years so i guess this situation will continue for quite some time all in all this article just seems like trolls mocking the city 
but it is legitimate. It's amazing. <laughs> wow. The situation is so bad that actually people just troll and it's kind of what everyone thinks anyway. Wow, it does just look like a... I'm looking at the pictures and it's a very pleasant looking German town with just a big hole. Yeah. <laughs> that's full of green water. It looks like the swimming pool in the Rio Olympics. That's, that's, that's the best summary I could give. Amazing. I'll include a link in the show notes. Anyhow, that's it. And thanks again for all your time and effort. Christian Beyer, a.k.a. Christian from the Alps. Ah, very good. Aged, oh my God, 331, 900 thirds. Excellent. Uh, oh, oh, wait, no. 331 over 903, Benjamin D. Santas at the time of writing. Who's Benjamin D. Santa? Father Christmas? Oh, he's a climate researcher at um, Lawrence Livermore. Is this a reference that I've forgotten? I don't know. This could be a deep dive here. He hasn't ever featured as a as an article in his own right, has he? In a previous episode. He's clearly a very high up climate scientist and he worked on an AR2. Well, you should know him then. <laughs> I'm excused. Yeah, I should know all of them. <laughs> I mean, that's that's your that's your bit. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah, you do all of law. You know all the lawyers. Yeah. Uh <laughs> From Jeff Winger to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, <laughs> and I and I know every climate scientist. Um, oh, P.S. There's also a postscript here, Dan. Um, Christian's favorite album as a teenager was probably Stadttafel by Peter Fox, but he was slash is only famous in Germany. Well, not anymore. The dozens of people around the world now know about Stadttafel. I hope you're happy. Brilliant. We have another email here from Lexi at front desk. Which is very exciting. And it Watch reads, out for your boss. <laughs> Dear my dearest Mork and Clork. Uh, <laughs> long time reader. Hank Mork Clork. <laughs> <laughs> long time reader, first time writer here to tell you all about the albums of my youth. Hey! Thank you for answering the call. But first I'll let you know that you've saved me from many hours of boredom in the office over the past three and a bit years and I've been reading this treasure trove um, of an omnibus. Originally I downloaded seven of your episodes from Podbeam onto my MP3 player so I could listen to the pod at work, no phones allowed. I never um, added any more though, so they sat on repeat for months and months. Oh my goodness, you must have gone mad. Good grief, yeah. I then continued to catch up on past episodes outside of the office and finally joined the ranks of those uh, who wait eagerly for that Spotify notification to ping up. In an odd turn of events, one of your episodes even got me through a stint of major, to me, surgery. Um, I'm dreadful around hospitals, etc. Uh, so it was legitimately the worst experience of my life so far. <laughs> but luckily, your voices nattering in my ears kept me both conscious and sane, so I can't thank you enough for that. Oh, well, I'm glad that, glad that we could be of some help, some actual legitimate help. Hopefully also the worst experience of your life. No so far. Let's hope yeah. that's it. It's yeah. only better from here. Totally. Um, I know you came here. Uh, you came here eager to find out about the albums of my youth. I shall list them in as close to chronological as I can. Uh, um, remember, starting from the grand old age of thirteen. Oh God, I've got the email up. Now, what continues here is a fairly, a fairly extensive list of music, which is amazing. I'm going to go through these, but I'm not entirely sure we have time to read them all out. So I'm just going to pick some. We've got some all, highlights. Yeah, all time low, nothing personal. Metallica, ride the lightning. Motionless in white, infamous. We butter the bread with butter. Das Monsters aus dem Schrank. Oh, uh, if you look below, Dan, there is a, the, there's a list of just the, the very top ones. Oh, perfect. Okay. Le Lexi has summarised. Amazing. See, look, this is exactly what we wanted. Um, you probably wanted my top albums from my teams, though, didn't you? I'll cut it down to the four most influential albums. All Time Low, Nothing Personal. We butter the bread with butter. Der Tag an dem Wie Welt unterging. 
uh, excision codename X and frequencers medium rare. Without those albums, I would have probably failed my multiple music courses and music A-levels. Um, don't let these albums fool you, though, as I'm um, an orchestrally trained double bass player and have been for about 13 years. However, my main listening of anything vaguely in the classical sphere is Dan's choral piece of the week. How interesting. I have to admit, I'd not heard of, just looking through this list, an awful lot of these are yeah, completely me new to me. Like, anyway, I know um, all-time low ACDC, Metallica, Skrillex. Yeah. Um, but a lot of these are, yeah, completely new. Human culture is fractal, Dan. It doesn't matter how how deep you go. There is always there are always more rabbit holes to go down. Absolutely. Anyway, thank you for everything you boiks do on a bi-weekly basis, and I can't wait to watch you go to far-flung sausages and beer festivals, um, as well as whatever else you can find. Catch you at DEFCON 1 in the Netherlands for a complete departure from British culture. No? Okay, then. <laughs> Yours sincerely. Lexi front desk, age uh, 0.2375QE. Queen Elizabeth, someone using the correct units. Look at that. Fantastic. Top work there. That's why they're at the front desk. Yeah, that, yeah, we put our best people up front. And then I have one more email here, Dan, and I think this is worth reading today. This is from Charlizard. Brilliant. Charlizard! Um, the title is Wikicast Themed Dream, parentheses concise. This is, this is going to be something, whatever it okay. is. Dear Messrs. Clarkson and May... First off, love the show, obviously. No one's ever done that. Yeah, I like that. That's so good. (laughs) That's already fantastic. After discovering it a mere two months ago, I have since made my way through 64 episodes from the back catalogue and I'm now listening to new ones as they come out. Good grief. Needless to say, the ways of the Wikicast have not only affected my waking self, I definitely find myself slipping into a much posher Dan accent after listening to a few episodes in a row. Fantastic. (laughs) Well done. But also also my sleepy time as well. Whilst I find myself rather intrigued listening to other people's dreams and all the weird shit they get up to in their unconscious, totally judging them, I understand that that most are bored by it. Thus, I will try to keep the following description of my Wikicast-themed dream, or rather nightmare, as concise as possible. Here goes. Oh, this is exciting. I am walking through a churchyard with a load of other university students. As I enter the church, I see the inside is laid out like a primary school assembly hall, with small coloured chairs laid out in rows across the entire space. As everyone files in, it is announced that we are there to perform a choir service for someone important. I look around the room in horror, as I realise I am sitting right in the middle of the crowd, so everyone will be able to hear me sing. Parentheses, I'm a meek little bitch who can't sing for love nor money. (laughs) Fantastic, we like the honesty, very good. (laughs) When suddenly, a voice pipes up from behind me, saying something along the lines of, Don't worry guys. I know what I'm doing. We just have to blah, 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 blah. What actually comes out of the person's mouth is a load of garbled words I can't understand. So, rolling my eyes with impatience, I turn my head to see what idiot is spouting this nonsense. It's Dan. Thank you. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. Thankfully, his blabbering is cut short by the church door slamming open and in charging Albus f***ing Dumbledore. <laughs> Great. He begins... He begins yelling about how the church is surrounded by zombies and that we need to secure the churchyard right now. We all rush outside to see hundreds of amorphous brown blob things, including some that look like Oogie Boogie from A Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, yeah. Solid reference. Yeah. Slowly circling the building. As I stand with my mouth agape, I hear movement behind me and turn to see Dan and Dumbledore standing back to back, slowly moving in a circle and each holding a fiery staff. 
Woof. In front of them, like a lightsaber, their hair billowing like some goddamn L'Oreal advert as winds whip about the two of them. Before I even have time to fully acknowledge this beautiful sight, I am suddenly whisked up into the air by some mysterious force. I manage to look up, to only to see Dr. Simon F***. Clark riding on the wings of some giant uh, black half-bird, half-carcoil creature who has grasped me in his claws. Simon urges the creature to fly three times around the church before soaring into the sky and commanding it to drop me to my death. Thanks for that, Simon. Wow, that's amazing. What? <laughs> I don't... <laughs> Wow, uh, I th- is this a first? Is this the first time we've had a, a Wikicast dream described to us? I think it might be, and I love it. I want more of this. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if we've ever infected anyone's brain quite to the extent that we've infected child lizards, but if you've ever had a Wikicast dream, I want to hear about it. <laughs> this is great. Why am I riding a half bird, half gargoyle? You're the, a defender, whereas I'm just like, yeah, we're going to sacrifice this, <laughs> this meek little bitch that can't sing. Wow. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Charles continues, uh, concludes the email. Anyways, I'll save you all the end of email brown nosing, but seriously, you guys are great and wonderful, and the Wikicast is truly a gift to the world. Much love to you both. Bella, she, her, age 25.6 recurring. Yes, I am a demisimal heretic. F*** you, Simon. Very good. That, I mean, that's fantastic. What a, what a way to end oh. Correspondence Corner. What a way to end the show, Dan. Yeah. So, Simon, what have we learnt today? We've learned a lot more than we bargained for about people's dreams. That's and we also true. learned about short music for short people. A short ride in a short machine <laughs> um, by John Adams. I know, by Fat Rec Chords, which has just got this glorious track list of 101 artists who have put together really short songs. And it's great. That's it. Drop mic. <laughs> we also actually caught up on everything that's been happening between you know us since the last episode, which has been a frankly ludicrous amount of stuff at least some of well, it yeah like, it's been so much stuff to we, catch we up spoke on. about our, our impromptu little meetup in london which is fun yep and our respective discoveries of different forms of media i talked about um terry pratchett and about arcane and uh you have been enjoying netflix stuff again plus stanley tucci just 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 re-watching house of cards <laughs> yeah and then we concluded with a really quite, really quite something uh, there in, in Correspondence Corner. Thank you again, Charles. And that's all for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. Join the Discord. And if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Wikicast-themed dreams, Netflix comfort viewing recommendations, and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And we'll we'll see see you next next time. time. You know, there's a non-zero possibility that someone's had a sex dream about the wiki cast. You know what? I imagine this is just this is a, this is going to be open. This is going to open more fan fiction. The sordid little wretches who listen to this podcast <laughs> are going to come creeping out, being like, "Oh, you want to hear about my dreams? Do you know? Oh, gosh, go away, go back, off you go, go on." <laughs> Look, you know the rule: if it doesn't involve sex and it doesn't involve me, I don't want to hear about it. Well, good for you because it's got both. <laughs> oh God, what is this? Ha 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 ha.